Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Chittletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us once again from the Finger Lakes District is Chris Audette. Chris is Senior Director, Research for Gartner. And today we're going to talk about another bit of research that they did specifically into helplines. First, Chris, thanks for coming back and talking to us a second time. Adam, absolutely. Thanks for having me back. Our pleasure. Now, Let's talk about helplines. You know, Navex has a terrific report, and their data showed a drop in reporting since the pandemic began. Uh, the numbers they found are rising, but they still aren't what they were. What did your research find? Yeah, very consistent with those Navex numbers. I think that's what we've heard really across you know the entire industry, and and every CCO was coming to us with this last year. Our own Gartner Risk Clarity, our culture survey. Um, show that between 2018, 2019, and then 2020, 2021, we're kind of straddling really pre-pandemic and then pandemic in its aftermath, we see a really stark decline. It's about 5%. Now, that doesn't seem like a huge number, right? But 5% has an enormous impact. And we kind of you know, ran that out and saw that if you just see a 5% decline uh, in a company with 1,000 employees, you might learn about 31 fewer incidents of misconduct. That's an enormous loss of line of sight into really our barometer for understanding compliance culture and getting a sense of what kind of misconduct's happening within the business. So 5% may not seem like a lot, but it actually gives us enormous pause to step back and say what's really happening here. Yeah, I mean, a, a drop, you know, most people think, oh, a drop in helpline calls is a good thing, but it can, in fact, be a bad thing uh, if people are feeling checked out and not reporting these things. What's also interesting to me is the drop in observed misconduct. Do you mm-hmm. think it's about a decline in actual misconduct or are people not seeing it so much since they're working remotely and not seeing people as much? Yeah, it's a great point. It obviously came up in a lot of our research calls with CCOs. And there's going to be a chunk of folks out there that say, you know, that 5% drop is completely plausible. In fact, I'm surprised it's not more because there's probably been a decline in actual misconduct. There's less traveling. There's fewer expense reports, right? We don't have the opportunity maybe to commit as much misconduct. So, of course, there's going to be a drop. I'm going to validate that a little bit with our own data, but I think there's a lot to debunk around some of the assumptions that might be there, too. So, I guess first to kind of validate it, here's what our Gartner data showed and doing that pre-pandemic, post-pandemic view. In short, we see observations dropping about 5% too. So reporting dropped 5%, observations dropped 5%. That makes sense. We're, We're not around to see things, so I can kind of buy that, right? But as we know on its own, observation doesn't mean anything, right? It's the reporting decline that contextualizes what that data means. The thing that really spiked for us is that the misconduct landscape has changed. So we have to take a step back or a half step back and say, actually, I might be looking in the wrong places because we have some misconduct types, kind of classic misconduct types, if you will, that are steady or rising for employees. Even in a remote environment, they're increasing. Um, Things like bullying, uh, intimidation, unwanted behavior, those are actually several percentage points higher for remote employees versus in-office employees. And we've got, you know, what we might expect actually in this environment, misuse of time, misuse of company assets, that's about three to five percent higher for remote employees too. Even when we talk to compliance leaders, a lot of them kind of pointed at things like sexual harassment and said, you know, surely we have less to be worried about in this environment. It's likely not happening as it would in an in-person environment. 
Actually, it's relatively steady. Our data showed it's only about one or two percentage points lower for remote employees. So we've got the classic forms of misconduct actually in some ways increasing for remote employees, which is very counter to what we would have expected. And then on top of it all, there's a whole host of new things that we might want to attend to in this environment too. And these were big shocks for our clients. I think they will be for this group too. Uh, one of the things we queried employees on in a survey of about 900 employees, uh, we said, you know, what are the new types of misconduct that you've observed? Have you seen inappropriate virtual behavior, uh, inappropriate or maybe antagonistic virtual backgrounds? Um, all of those things were, you know, increasingly observed by a remote and hybrid workforce. So we weren't monitoring for that necessarily pre-pandemic. Now we have to be conscientious of that kind of more antagonistic um, behavior, that kind of greater intimidation, maybe signs of bullying in a virtual environment on top of, you know, the traditional forms of misconduct haven't declined maybe as much as we thought they have. So that was a really, you know, kind of uh, surprising message, I think, for a lot of compliance leaders that we spoke to when we shared that data. Yeah, in retrospect, you know, it seems we should have anticipated that because, you know, as we all know, there's so many trolls and other bullying online, but you don't necessarily expect it in the workplace. And to your point about harassment being the same, I did a podcast a while ago where somebody said, no, it just moved online is what the data yeah. shows. It just, it's, it seems as if humans have a set capacity for wrongdoing and we'll figure out a way to do it no matter what the situation is. Find a way okay. around, right? Exactly. Now, it, it seems to me that all of this is a warning to compliance teams to find other ways to monitor behavior. Would you agree? I think they're getting there, Adam. I, you know, we heard consistently, I don't think I'm seeing all that's happening. And obviously, reporting is a huge part of that sightline that we have into the business to understand risk, to understand misconduct. But there's others, too. Uh, and maybe we've been, it does suggest that we've been kind of over relying on reporting as a view into that risk landscape when there's technology tools and other means by which we could learn about it. For instance, um, you know, I was on before talking a little bit about embedded controls. If we had more controls embedded within employees' workflows that threw off signals as to whether or not the employee was maybe committing misconduct or even just committing a small error, that could do a lot to inform me about potential risk within the business. And we're getting increasingly a number of questions from clients, too, about, uh, in some cases, very specific uh, um, uh, technologies that support uh, narrow risk terrains, right? So if I wanted to monitor insider trading in a more careful way, what are some technology tools that are out there that are doing that to some de degree of confidence, right? What are some technology tools to monitor for sexual misconduct? How are they doing it? What are some innovative bolt-ons to my existing platforms that could give me insight into that? And if you step back from those very specific risk terrains, we're really kind of seeing a deluge of questions from compliance leaders, too, about very kind of macro views into risk through GRC related technology tools, governance risk and compliance tools, and also third party risk management tools. Right. I want a better understanding of this risk landscape within my organization and externally outside the, the, the walls of my organization, too. And any tools that can help me improve my line of sight and improve how I digest and comprehend that information is really a very hot marketplace right now. Well, anything that gives you those insights is going to help to build better systems for controlling misconduct or, or decreasing it. How, though, other ways are, are there? Do we get reporting up and misconduct down? 
Yeah, our data showed that not only are there new ways of doing that, but maybe the ways that we've leaned on in the past aren't as effective as they would be in this environment. And we think it's for a couple of reasons, right? We hear consistently about a new employer-employee social contract, right? We have different expectations for our business. So it makes sense that we need to also think about the value proposition that we create around reporting for employees. And it probably looks really different now than it did a couple of years ago because expectations have changed. And we did a, a study, as I mentioned earlier, with about 900 employees to really closely understand when those employees observed misconduct in the past, if they reported or if they did not report, what was their belief at that time? about how the company handled that reporting. How easy was it to report? Did they feel safe when they came forward to report? Um, did they have a personal responsibility to report? What benefit did they see that might be uh, conferred to them if they did report? And then lastly, how much did they trust in the reporting and investigations process? And traditionally, you heard me say safety. Uh, we have data that goes back now nearly 20 years that says, you know what, if we can just improve uh, employees' sense of safety, that they won't be retaliated against if they come forward, that'll go a long way to ensure that employees actually speak up. Well, our data actually showed something different. It said instead that many times employees that do come forward actually don't feel any safer. In some cases, they also have a fear of retaliation if they report, but they report anyway. So it suggests there's a couple other things, other levers that we might have to pull if we're to get them to come forward in today's environment. And the biggest driver for us is this kind of personal responsibility to report, right? I think reporting is the right thing to do. But what struck us is that the way companies typically talk about that is to create this kind of duty or obligation for employees, right? That you do it because it's good for the company. Right. It is good if you come forward. This is what we expect you to do. There's an obligation or duty to come forward and report. That's not really what employees think anymore. They're contextualizing that. They're thinking instead, what's my value proposition for coming forward? I've got a cost benefit analysis that I'm playing out here and I want to know what's in it for me, not what's in it for the company if I come forward. And as I'm making that determination, as I'm kind of playing with those levers in my head and having that cost benefit analysis, a big part of it might be, I need to understand that not only will I be safe, but I need to trust you. I need to trust that you'll handle it transparently and fairly. And I also need to see that it's going to be good for me, good for my career, maybe good for my team if I come forward. And those last two bits, trust, how much I can trust to the transparency and fairness of this process and how much I believe there'll be a benefit that I experience, good for me, good for my career, good for my team. Those are big drivers in this environment of my, my own determination, my responsibility to report. And those are things based on our research that compliance leaders just haven't been on with the same degree of attention that they have other things in the last several years. Well, to me, that overlaps with the chronic issue we have, which is when it comes to compliance programs, it's easy to come up with discipline, but when it comes to incentives, there's been tremendous amount of flailing around and struggles with many saying, well, we shouldn't incent people to do what they're supposed to do in the first place. This seems to be a good argument for rethinking that equation. It does. I think what it suggests is that we need to rethink how we meet employees where they are right now. 
And part of that means uh, having a more honest conversation about how we present speak up culture to employees, knowing they're making this cost benefit calculation. We have to be more realistic that in some cases, maybe we're presented in an environment where the investigations process is a black box where I have no insight into discipline. So I'm reluctant to report because I think if I report against you, you might be fired. And I know that's gonna incur more work for me. So it's not a benefit to me if I report because I think it's just gonna result in more work. How many times does the company actually celebrate reporting more than celebrating the reporter? We need to rethink how we pivot that message, how we pitch that message to employees because it has a really big impact and their belief that reporting is the right thing to do for them, not just for the company. Yeah, it'd be nice to get to that point, that's for sure. Well, Chris, once again, thank you for sharing these great insights with us. I wanna thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turteltaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.